Hospitality Media presents the Mike and Mo Show. Now here are your hosts, Mike Calandrillo and Maurice Moten. Episode 44 of the Mike and Mo Show. It's the Reggie Jackson of Mike and Mo Shows. Welcome back. We got a slam-packed episode. It's going to be basketball and football pretty much the entire episode. So settled in. Get get comfortable. Mo's got a couple ranks he's going to hit you with right off the bat pertaining to the NBA playoffs. Mo, what is your deal with Russell Westbrook? My deal is not even with Russell Westbrook. It's more of his fan base. I, I, we discussed this in the last episode. I think his fan base is very similar to the Kobe fan base, where they just root for, for Westbrook for whatever reason, no matter what. If he's bad, if he's good, if he's in between, they love him. And when the Thunder clinched their playoff spot and Russell Westbrook had his, uh, I believe, his 42nd triple-double to pass Oscar Robinson, the old famer, people were saying, well, I think the Thunder have a chance to win the series. And I said, uh, no. They're going to get swept or they're going to win maybe one game in OKC and that'll be it. And of course, the people, the Russell Westbrook stands, they came at me pretty hard. And I, I, I sat there and I was like, all right, I took it, you know, because I already knew what was going to happen. And what happened last night? Russell Westbrook and his minions out of the playoffs won victory. Why? Because basketball is a team sport. In this era, when you have big threes and you have a, a strong nucleus like like, I don't know, the Golden State Warriors, like the Cleveland Cavaliers, you're not going to win a series with one great player. I, and I give it to Westbrook. He's a special talent, but he's got to learn to give the ball up when he's struggling. Yesterday, he was 2 of 11 in the fourth quarter. In the series itself, in totality, in all four quarters of, of all five games, he shot 28% from the field. Now, I know people get on LeBron for not being clutch when he was with the Cleveland Cavaliers in his first run. And they would say, oh, LeBron's not clutch, and he's this, and he's that. Where is the criticism for Russell Westbrook when he's poor or bad in the fourth quarter? I didn't hear it. I heard announcers giving him excuses saying, oh, he was gassed. He was this. He was tired. How about he just sucked? Okay, like, <laughs> let's just put it out there. And I, I, didn't, I didn't hear people give the gassed excuse for LeBron James when he was running the Cavaliers before he went to Miami. I didn't hear the excuse for Allen Iverson. I didn't hear the excuse for Kobe when he needed help before Shaq got there. I didn't hear those excuses for those players. Why are we giving a pass to Westbrook? Because he's everyone's favorite player. His tenacity, he's strong, he snarls when he goes to the hoop. Russell Westbrook needs to be less of a, of a green hulk and more of a providing husband type of player on his team. Let me explain that, Mike. Okay. You need to listen to this too because you're married, so I want <laughs> yeah. you to listen to this, okay? I'll, I'll try. Westbrook needs to be able to, how should I say it, distribute. You know, you don't have to be the man all the time. You don't have to be the man on the court. You don't have to be the man in the house all the time. Sometimes you got to let your wife do some things. Mm-hmm. Let her feel good about herself. Westbrook, pass it to Roberson. Pass it to Oladipo. Let your let your teammates feel good about themselves. Give them confidence in their shots, and they'll be able to help you in the fourth quarter, and you, you won't have to carry the load. Westbrook reminds me of the guy who has the rims, who has the nice clothes, who has the nice sneakers, but his finances are a mess. I mean... The household in OKC, it looks like it's together because Westbrook is out there saying, this is my team, this is my team. But I can guarantee you those guys aren't that happy. Yeah, they're probably happy they made it to the playoffs. But are you happy just standing around watching Russell Westbrook take poor shot to poor shot in the fourth quarter and watching your season, your postseason season, your postseason slip away? 
I don't think so. Westbrook needs to learn how to sometimes step back. You don't got to be the man all the time, but when your shot is hitting, when you're on fire, then you take it all, take it all the way. But when you're 2 of 11, when you're 28% in the fourth quarter, you need to find an ally. If you look at, if you look at OKC's roster, in this series, Westbrook averaged 37.4 points per game. You know who the second leading scorer was? Who? Andre Roberson at 11.6 <laughs> points per game. That is if he's the second highest scoring in the team, you're not going anywhere. And that's why OKC only won one game. Russell Westbrook fans, enjoy your one win because now you're home watching the rest of the playoffs like everybody else. Yeah, and you're right. He does need to, how do you say, calm himself. But but as you said, who's he going to pass the ball to? Oladipo, Roberson, Steven Adams. These are not guys that he trusts i mean and and honestly it's okay we get that you know they are who they are uh herm edwards said it a long time ago but that's the issue is he look he scored a lot of points he took even more shots right now he looks like a younger more athletic carmelo anthony and that is not a good road to be headed down uh, this team they have a lot to to address in the offseason and first thing will be is that russ can uh can be a uh can sign another long-term contract, $225 million, five-year deal. So he's going to get his. He said last night he wants to stay. But as far as the rest of that team is concerned, uh, it's not it's not as rosy as uh, as Russ would like us to think. My thing is, if that team is going to grow, he's got to be able to uplift his teammates. And we always say this about LeBron James. He makes his teammates better. Westbrook does not. Westbrook is all about... You all are just going to have to struggle for shots. I don't care what you all do, but I'm going to be great. You cannot have that one-man army, one-man band mentality. He's got to uplift his, uplift his teammates. And if you can't do that, OKC isn't going anywhere. Ironically, the one game that OKC won was the same game that Taj Gibson scored 20 points, and he was about 10 or 13 from the field. It makes sense. If your teammates have a good game, if they're helping you out, you're going to win a lot more games. Now, I know OKC won, I believe, 47 games in the regular season. But the regular season is a regular season. Once you get to the playoffs, it's the best of the best. And you're going to need help. You're not going to do it by yourself in the West with Golden State, with Houston, and with Harden and his five shooters he has around him. It's just not going to happen. He's going to need help, and he's going to have to be part of that development in OKC. But I'm going to stop beating up on the Westbrook stands and the minions, and I'm going to move over to Paul George. Mr. Paul George, who... Uh, had some choice words for his management after the trade deadline. Felt like he was, he should have been more included in the talks and who comes and, you know, just basically included it at the table with Larry Bird and company to see, like, how can we improve this team? Now, Paul George had an interesting uh, sequence of plays where he, I believe he stumbled, didn't get the pass, the ball was stolen by the Cavs. The Pacers got it back and he put up a huge brick that didn't even touch the rim. Now, that was all on Paul George. Now the question is, is he going to bolt and go to L.A.? Now, I would say this. Yep. He was asking, he's not asking, but he was saying that he wants to win games. If he wants to win games, he ain't going to the Lakers with a bunch of kids. <laughs> D'Angelo Russell is not bringing him a title, okay? Clarkson is not bringing him a title. Julius Randle, I like him, not bringing him a title. He's going to have to go to a team that needs a number one, that's missing a closer, a shooter, and that would be the Boston Celtics. I think the Boston Celtics are going to get by the Chicago Bulls because of Rondo's injury. They'll probably win in seven games, but the Celtics aren't going past the Eastern Conference Finals. They still need that one play. They still need that dominant closer. And I know Paul George put up a huge break that I just spoke about, but I think he could develop into something close to that under the Celtics 
under Stevens as the head coach. I think the secondary option would be going to the Clippers, not the Lakers, because the Clippers are closer to a title than the Lakers, obviously. But, of course, they would probably have to break up that team because, as I predicted on the last show, and Mike uh, balked at this, mm-hmm. the Clippers are going to lose in the first round to the Jazz. Yes. Going to but that, going. that was before Blake Griffin went down with a, a small uh, toe injury. So give me, some, give me a little bit of a slack. Uh, they, they were going to lose with or without Blake Griffin. Stop it. Let's be serious. They were going to do it. They were going to They were gonna choke it away, as they usually do, by an injury or just by choking it away like they did against the Houston Rockets about two years ago. Hater. This team needs to be broken up. Yeah. If you're going to bring in Paul George, I, I can see Paul George as CP3 and DeAndre Jordan working together. Yeah. That threesome forming a nice victory nucleus to contend against the Golden State Warriors. But Paul George, if you're going to leave Indiana, and I, and I know this hurts one of my loyal, one of my loyal, loyal viewers, Laura. But if he's going to leave Indiana, which I think he does, he's got to go to either LA Clippers or he's got to go to the Celtics. She hates Celtics, but I'm just saying, Paul George, if you want to win games, it may not happen in Indiana if you're not going to be patient. Because again, they they put together that roster. They brought in Teague. They brought in, I believe, Thaddeus Young. Uh, they brought in Al Jefferson to come off the bench. That's going to take some time to gel, and if you're not going to be patient and sit around for another maybe year and a half to get that together, then you start looking at new destinations. Then you start looking at Boston. Then you start looking at the Clippers. But between those two teams, if I had to choose, I would say the Celtics because they have a better head coach, in my opinion. I know a lot of people love Doc Rivers. I like Doc Rivers, too, former Nick and everything. I like the way he handles his press conferences, takes ownership for his mistakes. But I just don't see him in him as a coach. He has one of the talented rosters in the league, and they cannot get to the Western Conference Finals. That says a lot about him. I know he has a title with Boston, but that that roster was loaded, and they had a veteran like KG who was running the show in the locker room. As far as head coaching and schemes are concerned, I'm a little bit concerned about Doc Rivers. Uh, Maybe also as a general manager, maybe he needs to give up one of those positions to be better at at the other. But if I'm Paul George and and I'm in Indiana... And I'm thinking I need to get the hell out of here. I'm going to Boston. Sorry. Doc Rivers, the coach, is fine. Doc Rivers, the GM, is horrendous. He put that team together. I, we've been saying for years that that he needed to get rid of either DeAndre or the White Lion because they were basically the same type of player and they clogged the middle. He had no bench. You know, you can't. You just, we, we've seen it. You just said it's a team sport. They cannot coexist. Those two guys on the same floor. And Chris Paul is getting older, and so something needs to be done there. Uh, obviously, if, if you could let go of of Blake Griffin and and substitute him with a player like Paul George, I think that would be a win across the board for everybody. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what Paul George's intentions really are. Again, to go back to Melo, is he a guy that's content with just winning a, a gold medal and taking as much money as he can, as he can, and being comfortable and going back to the the, the team of his youth, the Lakers? If he's going to go to LA, maybe. Who knows? We, we will find out. But we we don't know. But I, obviously, it hasn't worked in Indiana. Yeah, it would. It's not going to work in LA, and I don't know if it would work in Boston because that's another really weird kind of convoluted roster that they're going to have to re-sign Isaiah Thomas in, in the next 12 to 16 months. And are you going to give a guy that's 5'9", $200 million? And it's not a joke about his, his height. It's just that he plays – he's small. He plays zero defense. He's a good scorer. But does he make his teams better around him? We don't know yet. We haven't seen enough of, of him, you know. Wait a minute. What? What do you mean? So – 
people under 5'10 can't make $200 million now all of a sudden? We're no. We're worthy of a high paycheck. They now? can, but he is a one-dimensional player. All he does is score. Would you really give him 200? I wouldn't want to give James Harden $200 million. I mean, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable giving Russell Westbrook $200 million, but I'd give it to him before I gave it to those other two guys. But did you have to sneak the five nine in there though? Like, yep, did that yep. have to be part of the explanation? Unfortunately, you just left that part. You could just say, "I don't want to give Isaiah Thomas two hundred million." You had to say five nine Isaiah yep. Thomas two hundred million. Like, I mean, come on. I understand, Mike. You are part of the Giants, and yep. you're above. I don't know five eleven. You're above <laughs> six feet tall, so you can speak that way. But you better put some respect, respect. on people under five ten because we get it done uh, isaiah thomas is the only all-star on his roster by the way just saying yeah because like, like i not. said that team not that impressive not impressed with al horford who thinks he's a three-point shooter uh not impressed with jay crowder who the, his teammates his teammates were rumored to be trying to get him traded to the knicks in the mid-season because he in their eyes is the worst small forward in the game so i i'm just i'm not impressed with Everybody else that makes up that team, and and if they get past, like I said, I don't do not see them getting past the Wizards, who won tonight in the next round. So you have the Celtics beating the Bulls in I don't know six or seven games and losing mm-hmm. to the Wizards. Yeah, and and, and right. when and when the Celtics lose next round, Danny Ainge should take all the blame because he could have pulled the trigger on a Paul George and didn't yeah. want to give up. One of these 12,000 draft picks that he's had from the Boston Nets since, you know, 1994. He doesn't want to give up this pick because it could be a top three. It'll probably be a top three. The draft, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, there's a couple point guards. Oh, wait a minute. Don't you have a point guard? Isn't, isn't he the 5'9 superstar we were just talking about? Don't you have to re-sign him? for? Yeah, yeah, you do. But Danny didn't realize that. So now he'll take Lonzo Ball or whomever else, slide him to the two, and now you got a guy playing the two that's not a two. So, Danny, when this goes awry and it is looking like it will, you deserve to get the boot, my man. I'm sorry. You just do because he had so many opportunities at the trade deadline to trade for multiple players but george being the most high caliber all-star and he refused to so when he gets bounced in the next round or the third round or who knows me i don't i don't see them going much further he deserves to shoulder most of the blame because isaiah has willed this team there danny not so much I mean, I read early reports where I was writing for Bleacher Report about rumors, and apparently there was a deal that could have went through for Jimmy Butler. The Boston Celtics would have sent a couple of draft picks and Jay Crowder over to the Chicago Bulls for Jimmy Butler, great, but great. Jenny Ainge didn't want to give up Jay Crowder. And I'm thinking, are you nuts? Yeah, like yeah. That, That's something I do in a heartbeat. Jimmy Butler's a two-way player. I understand Crowder plays. He's a three-and-D player, but... I don't get it. What is what is Danny Ainge holding on to Jay Carter like he's like the rarest baseball card in the deck? I, I don't I don't understand Danny Ainge's plan, his draft plan, or whatever plan he's got to build this team. But he's held those draft picks for too long. And I joked about this on Twitter. I think he's like the type of guy who holds his draw for Uno card way too long to the end of the game, and it's too late. And that, that's that's basically sums it up what he's been doing over the past few years because he's had chance after chance at the trade deadline to do something special with his roster and make a move, and he just doesn't make a move. And he brings in these lukewarm players like Al Hofford. And mm-hmm. Al Hofford's a decent player, but he's not a game-changer. Not $100 million. And and it's it's just not working. I, I like Isaiah Thomas, too, and I understand what you're saying about paying him off, and I totally agree with you. But with, with the Celtics, what they have now, 
they need to make a move for Paul George or Jimmy Butler. It has to, it has to happen within the year because, as you said, if they get a high draft pick and they get a point guard, it's just going to look really silly. They're going to be a Philadelphia 76ers, but just a good have a good record. <laughs> but the Sixers had all of these bigs mm-hmm. and didn't know what to do with them, and they eventually had to trade away. Yep. Uh, Noel, the Celtics are headed for the same fate. But again, Paul George, take a look at the Boston Celtics. If they're willing to make some moves, if you want to win some games and have a chance to win a championship with a great head coach, Brad Stevens, go to Boston. Yeah. But my man, I, I'm just gonna say really quick though, patience does pay off. So if Indiana looks good at you know close to the tr- trade deadline next year, may want to rethink that. All right, there you have it. Mo is selling the farm on Boston just like he should. Well, we got a lot to talk about in the world of the NFL draft because it is only hours away. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. We have got two potential, one for sure, Hall of Fame running back switching teams. Mo, I know you want to talk about Marshawn. I know you're Raiders 24-7, but let's pump the brakes. Let's give respect where respect is due. Let's talk about... You, You know why I'm here. You know why I'm here. Yes, before we talk about why you're here, let's talk about why. Why in the name of all that is good and holy, why did Adrian Peterson go to New Orleans? Because it clearly wasn't to go to a Super Bowl anytime soon. I think he just took uh, the team that was going to offer him the most money. If you remember, Adrian Peterson came out. Early reports said that he wanted, I don't know, something, something outrageous. And I forget the exact number, but it was more than $5 million. Yeah. And he came out with a tweet and said that it wasn't true. So I think he was looking for a high payout. And, and reports are that his dad said he felt disrespected by the Minnesota Vikings offered to him after they... Well, this is actually before they signed Latavius Murray. And I think A.J. Peterson was looking for more of the $8 million, maybe $7, $8 million neighborhood, maybe $9 million. And he wasn't getting it. And the Saints said, hey, we'll give you, you know, two years, $7 million. That's $3.5 million base. But we add all these incentives in. And if you meet these incentives, you get a you get a larger payout. It's somewhere, I don't know, between 16, 18 million, something like that. But Adrian Peterson basically looked out and said, where can I make the most money? And I don't think he's all about winning a Super Bowl. Adrian Peterson strikes him as a guy. He wants to be the man in the backfield. He's not necessarily about winning a Super Bowl as long as he looks good. And he's going to look good on the Saints. He's going to share the backfield with Mark Ingram. He's going to probably get, I don't know, 12 to 15 carries a game. The Saints already have an explosive offense with their passing game, so it's going to open up lanes for him running in between the tackles. So I think it's a decent fit for him. But as far as uh, him personally, I think he just took the the most lucrative deal that was on the table for him and said, hey, I'll, I'll just roll with it. I will say this one thing about the Saints, though. If they can build their defense through the draft to pick up some good quality players, I think they can challenge the Atlanta Falcons in the NFC South. Just my opinion, though. Well, that's a fair opinion. I still think he should have went to the New York Giants and, and been a, a you know a two back set with uh, Paul Perkins. I would have liked that. And obviously, the Giants I think have a easier, you know, maybe not an easier path, but I think that they have more of a, a stable, you know, team around. Especially Eli Manning at this stage in his career. Drew Brees is not the problem. It, it is the defense, and the Giants obviously had a pretty stout defense. Now let's move on to. Why the people in Oakland are walking through the streets with their heads held high, just proud that their boy, their man, Mr. Marshawn, has been officially traded back to his hometown Raiders. Mo, shed some light on the deal. 
Yeah, so basically Marshawn Lynch, initially, I'll, I'll turn it back a little bit. Initially, Reggie McKenzie, the general manager of the Raiders, offered Marshawn Lynch $3 million per year. Marshawn walks out with a $9 million base salary over two years. He wanted $4.5 million, so he got it. A lot of people thought after Adrian Peterson signed his two-year $7 million deal with incentives that Marshawn would have come down, and it did not happen. They actually, the Raiders actually bent to Marshawn Lynch and brought him in. A lot of people thought that this was just talk to distract people from the move to Las Vegas that's going to happen in a few years. But apparently it was real. It was legit. Lynch wanted to play for the Raiders. The Raiders had interest in him, and they got the deal done. Now, again, it's a two-year deal. It's a base salary of $9 million. Of course, their incentives there, I believe I read somewhere that if he has 1,000 yards rushing, that it will go up another 2 mil. I don't think he'll reach 1,000 yards only because there are two other younger running backs in that backfield who are going to take some carries. I heard Shannon Sharp on uh, The Undisputed on Fox Sports say Marshawn Lynch is going to get 200 carries. And I can tell Shannon Sharp does not watch the race because Marshawn Lynch is not getting 200 carries. <laughs> I see him more as a guy that's going to have 12 to 15 carries per game, mm-hmm. so that doesn't put him at the 200 mark. They're going to preserve him for the playoffs because that's where he is money, Marshawn Lynch. And again, if he gets the ball, if he gets the ball on the one-yard one, one yard line in the Super Bowl and the Raiders win, that would be fantastic because they are saving him for the postseason because, again, they do still have two running backs who can carry the load. Marshawn Lynch is basically going to be the finisher. Again, I see him at about, I would say, 800 rushing yards, but he's going to have about 15 touchdowns. Because well, he's going to be the guy to go on. Yeah, I mean, Shannon Sharp's right, though, because the Raiders, they play a 42-game season, right? They got that, that extended series. So if he gets 10 carries a game, divided by four, carried it two, yeah, he's got it. Yeah, yeah, you're mad. I don't know. You're, you're, no wonder you're on the show talking to me because your math, brother, is kind of sketchy. But we, we won't even touch on that. No, uh, Marshawn Lynch going through is a huge story. He's happy. So many pictures online just showing him holding his Raiders helmet. There was a photoshopped image of him in a Raiders jersey even before the deal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a party in the streets of Oakland. Apparently, he's going to have a block party to celebrate this. It is so Marshawn Lynch-like. I'm, I'm sure there'll be Skittles flying all over the place and people are going to be cheering in the streets of Oakland. Just real quick, I had a season prediction for the Raiders at 11-5. and five. With Marshawn Lynch now in the mix, I'm willing to push that to 12-4 because that was iffy because the Raiders actually played the Giants in Week 13. And I felt the Giants would win that game. But now with Marshawn Lynch in the mix in Week 13, where he'll get more carries as the season goes on, I think the Raiders will be able to control the game and win it over the Giants. I know the Giants' defense is much improved, but I'm still a little worried about their one-dimensional offense because they don't have running back. As you said, yep. you won Adrian Peterson over there in New York, and he, he chose the New Orleans Saints. Now, the Giants aren't also LeGarrette Blunt, so if they get LeGarrette Blunt and he signs, yeah. it could even it out. But if he doesn't, I'm a little worried about the Giants' offense keeping up with the Raiders. Yeah, because then Shane Vereen on every third down, and then he'll tear his bicep in week nine. And, you know, then they'll be calling in you and me to run. It's just not a good look. But I, I'm good for about eight carries, 85 yards. <laughs> <laughs> on Madden? Madden or real life? <laughs> but um, on to a, a, a more serious uh, subject. Um, the NFL draft obviously is tomorrow, runs through Saturday. Two players, uh, both from Oklahoma, I believe, Joe Mixon and D.D. Westbrook. Joe Mixon is on video punching a woman in the face. Uh, apparently, he broke bones in the woman's face. He apologized, and there was a settlement a couple of days ago. D.D. Westbrook had a, had a uh, domestic violence charge against him years ago. Uh, he said that's behind him. But these type of players are talented players, but they carry baggage off the field, as I just explained, violence against women. Uh, touches touches a sensitive spot with a lot of people. A lot of people have uh, Joe Mixon and D.D. Westbrook both going in the second round. 
I would say D.D. Westbrook in the third. He's more, he's a smaller receiver, more of a slot receiver. He's not a guy. He's not going to be your number one guy. But the baggage that he has, he's going to fall to the third round, in my opinion. Joe Mixon, in some people's eyes, is the best running back in this group. Now, if he didn't have the assault case on video for everyone to see, he'd probably, probably be a first-round pick. Now, I read a rumor that the Philadelphia Eagles are interested in him, but I don't see them picking him in the first round. I think they go cornerback to address his secondary. Now, if Joe Mixon is still there by the time the Eagles pick on this in the second round, I think that's where he goes. Again, aside from his troubles, he's a super talented athlete, super talented player. He's a three-down back. But again, these GMs are going to have to weather the storm as far as PR is concerned because you don't, you don't want to have this player basically take over all the headlines of your draft. You're trying to build a team. You want your fans to be excited, and you want to make sure that they're on board when you bring in a questionable character player like Joe Mixon or D.D. Westbrook. Again, I say Mixon goes in the second round to the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles don't have the strongest organization, so it's not the best fit for a guy with baggage. I would prefer him to go to Baltimore because John Harbaugh runs a tight ship there and Baltimore Ravens organization is really respected. But again, any type of player with baggage, you want to make sure they go to a strong organization with a strong-minded head coach is going to draw the line and say, look, we did our due diligence. We like the kid during the interviews, and he's going to be a good kid going forward. Now, Reggie McKenzie brought in Joe Mixon. He said the same thing. He basically said, hey, we interviewed him. We did our due diligence. And he came up pretty good. He was, he was remorseful. He was apologetic. And that's a good thing. But, of course, once you see that video, that disgusting video, that all those things are going to come back in and just going to feel a little bit of disgust that your team drafted a player who would do that to a woman, to anybody in that case. Like, violence against anybody is bad. You, you, don't, you just don't want that on your team. But, again... Once there's talent, teams will roll the dice and say, hey, we're going to clean him up and he'll be a better kid. You just hope that it, that's true. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a slippery slope. It, it's, uh, it's something that not, not many teams want to touch. Herm Edwards was on the record saying uh, if he had any say, he, he would stay away from it because he has daughters. He has a wife. He, he can't look at them and say, I drafted this guy because, you know, and, and that's, that's his prerogative. And that a lot, a lot of tons of people believe that's the way teams should be. But again, like you just said, talent truncates everything. And that's why me personally, I see a guy like Joe Mixon and his talent going at 20 to the Denver Broncos. Uh, we've seen Shane Ray, who had uh, you know numerous run-ins while he was at Missouri. He, uh, he's, you know, it seems like he's cleaned up his act. John Allway runs a pretty tight ship over there. Even years before, a guy like Shane Ray was Brandon Marshall. So Denver does take chances. Obviously, they really need, uh, you know, they could really use a running back uh, to complement C.J. Anderson over there. So uh, if he gets past, I don't know. Again, I don't think he's going to go as high as 14 to Philly in the first round, but I, he could go at 20. I would not be surprised at all. I mean, I'm reading those reports over the past few days. If you're an NFL player, if you're a prospective rookie going to the league, just lock yourself indoors for that month leading up to the draft. I mean, we have Gary on Conley, who was expected to be a first-round pick, accused of rape in Cleveland at a Cleveland hotel. You had uh, Khalid Brantley, who said he pushed a woman, and a woman said he punched her and she lost a tooth. I mean, players, if you know you're gonna be you're gonna be a target out there. Now, I'm not saying women provoke, but I'm saying if you if you know that you've got a big day coming up, you don't want to put yourself in any situation, in any type of compromising situation, where you could be accused or blamed of anything. You chill out with your family, mm-hmm. you know, play with your kids, spend time with your wife, go on a vacation, do something. Just stay out of the limelight until you get to the league and you walk a straight now after that. But these players, I understand it's a big time in their life and they want to go out and celebrate. 
but you have to understand the spotlight is going to be on you at all times. We talked about this with Ezekiel Elliott. I believe he pulled up a woman's shirt at a St. Patrick's Day parade, and I guess he felt at the time it was no big deal, but once the video came out, people were like, who does this guy think he is? And again, it goes all into, you're, you're going to be in the spotlight. Whether you play for the Cowboys, the, the garbage Cleveland Browns, the, the Colts, whoever, whatever team you play for, you are going to be in the spotlight. And we know everyone has their issues. But once you're a public figure, you have to you have to go along with the flow and say, well, I'm going to be in the public light at all times. I have to act accordingly. I know Charles Barkley would say, I'm not a role model, but technically, you are once you get out there and you put on a uniform and you represent an organization and kids look up to you. I just don't get it. These guys, the moment that they declare for the draft have an agent why why do their agents not say i am hiring a babysitter for you a poli- uh, ex-police officer a military guy an mma fighter whomever it might be to watch you like a hawk because you are weeks days months away from being a multi-millionaire and setting you and your family up for the rest of your life why would they even let their client do, jeopardize that for just a moment? I mean, even if it was Jabril Peppers who, you know, might have diluted his sample at the combine because he might have, he had the flu. You got to have somebody say, whoa, 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 don't drink 32 bottles of water. I mean, there just has to be somebody there to play, you know, the conscious role, to play Jiminy Cricket and say, well, before you do that, let's talk it out, buddy. But that's not there. So I think you and I should start a service for prospects, NBA, NFL. If you're going to do something stupid, Mike and Mo will babysit you for a fraction of your first contract. <laughs> Mike's a, you're such a two-time hustler. You're always <laughs> trying to find ways to have a But you're absolutely right about it. I don't know where these guys' representatives are, agents, whoever it is, their support groups, whoever it is, uh, whoever is supporting these guys, they're really dropping the ball because these guys are literally literally losing out on millions because they're making uh rookie mistakes part of the fun but yeah you have to know better you just have to know better you have to know that look i'm on the verge of changing my life let me not screw it up but um moving on to draft day uh mel kuyper jr and tom mcshay are probably the the uh i would say the, the figures of draft day when you think nfl draft you think mel kuyper you think Todd mcshay some people think john Gruden. I really like John Gruden's analysis when he's on draft day, not so much the Gruden camp because he's a little too uh, soft and cushiony. But Kuiper McShay, um, I like their analysis too. But I, I know for sure that they don't know all, I don't know, 300-plus prospects before they hit draft day. There's no way they watch tape on every player and know everything. And you know how I know this? Because then they start using simple adjectives like he's big strong fast and i'm just like aren't they all big <laughs> strong and fast isn't that the point like mm-hmm. when they went to the combine they're all like really fast and kind of big and kind of strong that's why they're football players you know like i i when, once i hear that i know either todd Boucher or mel kuyper jr didn't watch the film because they're using big strong and fast which we can all see i mean you don't need an anal- analysis on a player to see okay he's about 6 8 250 and can run a four fours you just don't need a rocket scientist. You don't need Mel or McShay to tell you that. You can kind of see that. So what you're saying is, is that you would like their job. Because today is not really the day to be throwing that around ESPN personalities, Maurice Moten. Because today was what, – what is today? Wednesday. So today was a really bad day for about 100 people that work at ESPN because they done lost their jobs. Yeah, real quick note on that. I didn't put that on a docket, but just really quick on that. It's kind of sad. 
that all those people lost. I mean, there are some recognizable names yeah. on that layoff list. Team, guys like Ed Water, yeah. who's been around, I believe, for 17 years. He's getting laid off. Uh, there's Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Jean-Jacques, I think, is our Cowboys reporter. I, I recognize him from being on Bomani's show, getting laid off. Danny Cannell. Yeah, a couple other guys. Yeah, yeah Danny Cannell, uh, Jason Stark, who covers yeah. covered Major League Baseball for 17 years. That seemed to be the, uh, the thing. If you were there for 17 years, you were done for. So... Uh, yeah. But, you know, these guys and, and ladies, they're going to find work. I mean, you know, they've been around. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of other outlets, obviously Fox, and obviously the Internet now. It's huge. I mean, and that's why ESPN and Disney uh, cut a lot. I mean, there's a lot to it. You know, read the story for yourself. And, but it is sad to see so many, you know, whatever, recognizable or not, these people have families that, you know, they need their income. Uh, they, it's, a great, it's a wonderful job. We would all love to have it. It's obviously why we're doing this. But, um, you know, here's to them landing on their feet. And until then, you can listen to us because we're free 99. You know what I was going to say, too? And this is probably the cynical part about it is once you see layoffs at one company, you kind of you kind of look over your shoulder because, as you said, you know, those people are going to land on their feet because they're very talented folks. So, you know, for people at CBS, NBC or Fox, you might have to move over because you're going to have some competition there. It's going to get crowded. And I was telling someone else this: if you're if you're fortunate enough to have a sports job, writing, broadcasting, reporting, whatever it is, a columnist, you better cherish it because it can be taken away from you that quickly. A lot of people in the sports media industry don't make a lot of cash, so they have multiple gigs. Mm-hmm. As you see, Mike and I do. I'm probably on five different platforms. Mike's got a whole host of things he's doing. He's even doing soccer. That's how that's how yeah. crazy it is. Mike is covering soccer. Yeah, the world game, baby. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's hard. It's hard once you get in the industry and to get laid off, especially after 17 years, like a guy like Ed Water. I can imagine how, you, you know, you probably still have a chip on your shoulder because Ed Water said he doesn't plan on retiring. So I'm interested to see where he goes. I think Fox, Fox is a good landing spot. A lot of people are going to Fox. One of my favorite uh, talk show hosts, Colin, Colin Cowherd, Lando to his feet. I watch his show a lot. He's over at Fox. Uh, Skip Bayless over at Fox, Shannon Sharp, Chris Carter, all those guys are at Fox. So I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of those ESPN layoff people just go over to LA yep. and uh, land new gigs. Yeah, I mean, that, Colin Cowherd said it a couple months ago. He said, Why would anybody want to work for ESPN? I mean, you and I would, but why would any of those guys want to work in Connecticut? When they can go to Los Angeles and me living in Los Angeles for, you know, seven years, it's a pretty good place to live if you've got the means to do so. So, you know. One of our viewers feels like you have a favoritism tour in Los Angeles. I won't say who it is, but we won't won't even mention that. We won't mention her name. I mean, hey, if if I would have had a choice right now, let's say Fox called me and ESPN called me back to back within five minutes, I'd probably go to L.A. and go to Fox only because if I went to ESPN, I'd be worried if I'm going to get laid off next year. I I mean, Fox had some layoffs, too. But I don't think – this is like the second or third time ESPN has had major layoffs. It just makes me raise my eyebrow a little bit. It's true. It's very true. All right, so we're going to have a special segment coming up. We usually at this time of the show are getting ready to do momentum. But we're going to do something different in, in lieu of the NFL draft. So to wet your whistle real quick, Mo, I'm going to ask you three quick questions. I just want you to, to – don't even think about it. Just spit it out verbatim because we all know that you're Mr. NFL. Uh, of course. Give me your draft lock. Who is going to this one spot? No ifs, ands, or buts about it. 
Really quick before I do that, I just want to be addressed as the Black Adam Schefter. I know there's a Twitter and a Facebook wow. page dedicated to that yeah, where he's is. kind of a jokey type of person, but yeah. I am just real black. black. All right. All right. All right. Okay. All right. But, um, I'm not going to call you that, but go ahead. <laughs> Draft block. I would say Marshawn Lattimore to the Titans. There are rumors that they can trade down that came from the real Adam Schefter, yeah. that they could trade down a, a couple of spots and work for them last year. They had 10 draft picks, and I believe three of them have heavily contributed to a surprising 9-7 season. But I think they should stay in that spot and get a guy who's opposite Logan Ryan, grab Marshawn Lattimore out of the Ohio State to complete your secondary. All right. Give me the draft surprise. Yeah, I know everyone is in love with Mitchell Trubisky, but I think Deshaun Watson is the best quarterback in this group, and I think the 49ers were just sending smoke screens saying, oh, I, we're kind of interested in Mitchell Trubisky. We may draft him at number two. I think they're really interested in Deshaun Watson, who's a proven leader, can win the big game. He doesn't have the biggest arm, but he, he, can, make, he can make some throws downfield. So I will go with Deshaun Watson as my draft surprise at number two. Yeah, yeah, take Geno Smith, part two. And the draft fall... Who is plummeting, Mo? Yeah, I, I'm going with Corey Davis here, not for any particular reason, no off-field troubles, but he wasn't really involved in the NFL scouting combine. He had ankle surgery. So um, once you have an injury and you're not fast to begin with, you're just a big, tall receiver, you're going to take a hit. I think he falls to the Steelers. I know Martavis Bryant's got conditional reinstatement, but I don't know if the Pittsburgh Steelers organization fully trusts him. So you, you bring in Corey Davis to go opposite Antonio Brown as a big target in the red zone. Make Big, big Ben happy because Big Ben actually wanted a tight end. What's better than a tight end? A tall six foot three, six foot four wide receiver. So if you guys were listening to that segment, Mo said that Corey Davis is big, he's fast, and he's strong. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say he was fast. I said he's a big receiver and a red zone threat. I didn't go... Big, fast, strong. I gave some explanation. Yep. I was. I didn't pull the Mel Kiper, Tommy Shea. I actually watched tape on Corey Davis. I actually know about him, so you can ask me anything, and I'll be able to tell you this is the real thing. The black Adam Schefter. He went to college. He played against some great talent in one of those conferences. He was in a prop. He was probably in a, in a in a game or two where he made some fantastic catches. Mo. We we can. I mean, we can replace. Mel Kiper Jr. and Tommy Shea would talk like that. I, I'm serious. Like, anyone listening to the show, just listen to the draft. Listen to drafting and just listen to the guys talking. Really listen to what they're telling you. If they're telling you things that you can already see, oh, he's got broad shoulders, that means he can throw the ball deep. You know, like, come on, let's be serious. Uh, you can actually see that. Uh, we, do, we, we want deep, deep digging analysis. And if you want that, Tune into the Mike and Mo Show. We'll give yeah. you the skinny on everything, not just the basics. Yeah, just wait till the NBA draft when I break down the top 50 Croatian players. It is <laughs> awesome because I go in so deep with that grainy, like, security footage that you can't really tell what's going on. I am going to tell you about the next Mario Hasegovina. It's going to be sick. But and your, and your pronunciation is going to be on point, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get a coach for that for sure, for sure. So stay tuned. Got a new segment coming up. It is called... Where does Mo see them go? We'll be right back. It's now time for Building Momentum. 
Where does Mo Stephen go? Doesn't have any fancy music because we're trying something out. This might not be an every week thing. So right now we're sticking with the same intro. But I'm going to throw a bunch of different topics at Mo. We're going to try to keep this rapid fire. All he's going to tell you is, is buying Selling, You might have heard that on a TV show. I'm not really sure. But the point is is that Mo is going to break it down because he has been in his room by himself eating salmon 24-7 since Christmas. Toasted butter. He is ready to go. He's going to show you why he is the African-American Adam Schefter. I like that better. I think that has a nicer ring to it. Okay. We are starting out with the top of the draft. Mo, are you buying or selling that the Cleveland Browns are split on Mitch Trubisky or that Garrett guy? Yeah, I'm totally selling on this. I read reports saying that Sashi Brown, who's the executive vice president of operations from Mike Silver, that they already knew who they were going to pick two weeks ago. And if they knew who they were already going to pick two weeks ago, it's got to be Miles Garrett because far and away, he's, he's the best prospect in this draft, selling it. Okay. Are you buying or selling that the San Francisco 49ers will take Leonard Fournette at number two? Wasn't he wasn't he in the second round a month ago? I, I actually sold this and I bought it back uh-huh. only because I looked at the 49ers roster and their defense is going to be pretty solid. They don't. I mean, they could add Jamal Adams at that spot, but they're not in dire need of a safety, and the safety position is pretty deep in this draft. I think they go Leonard Fournette because they're not totally sold on Carlos Hyde. When asked about his fit with the team, John Lynch said it's a wait-and-see approach, which means eh, he's probably going to be out of there. You're bringing Leonard Fournette, who's probably going to be a transcendent running back, and you improve your, your offense because you got Brian Hoyer there. You can still get a quarterback in the second round. Buying it. All right. Deshaun Kaiser will see a draft day tumble. Yeah, I'm buying this. Uh, Brian Kelly already slandered him, said he should have stayed in school. He compared himself to Tom Brady said he was going to be better. I don't think that rubs people the right way, Mm -hmm. general managers included. He's just full of himself before he's done anything in the league, and he didn't have the greatest uh, collegiate resume either. So I'm buying this. He's going to fall to probably the mid-second. Yeah, you know that I'm a Notre Dame fan and I watched a lot of him. He plays great for about two and a half quarters and then he goes right down the tube. So Brian Kelly was right. And you also know how I feel about Brian Kelly. So, you know, there's that. (laughs) Moving on. Davis Webb, which I had to look it up, is not a school in Texas. This is actually a guy. Davis Webb is a first round quarterback. Oh, my God, jokes. But, yeah, I got to sell this. Uh, Ian Rappaport sent out a tweet. So a national scout said that he has Jack Pres- Prescott-like uh, intangibles. Ugh. I'm not really buying it. I hear that he's coachable, which I can buy, but I just don't see him going in the first round. I think a team will be able to wait and grab him in the early second or mid-second round. I only see three quarterbacks going in the first. That is Deshaun Watson, Mitchell Trubisky, and Patrick Mahomes. Ooh. So I got Davis Webb falling to the second round. And Patrick Mahomes' father was a relief pitcher at one time for many teams, but most most notably the Minnesota Twins. So <laughs> throw that out at you real quick. Or sneaking MLB and sneaking yeah. a little MLB in there, no matter how how difficult you're gonna do it, right? Anytime, I got it. Yankees won three to one tonight. Moving on, the Steelers <laughs> love 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 Jabril Peppers at number thirty. Yeah, I'm buying that. Uh, general manager Kevin Colbert was on record saying that he actually likes to build preppers, even with a diluted sample, which is not, again, a diluted sample is not necessarily a positive test. I'm going to give you a scientific lesson really quick. It just means that your creatinine levels were pretty low 
which means it's inconclusive. So Dr. Mo at your so at your service telling you what this means, a dilute sample, exactly what it is. I, I think they still still take him with the sample and they're happy with a, a guy like Jabril Preppers who can shadow tight ends and play safety. And I think it'll work out. Yeah, they're looking, looking for that Troy Palamalu, which but that might be a little bit of a stretch. Uh, keeping it moving, the Bills are interested in targeting a quarterback, but Mo, is it a smokescreen? I, I'm actually, at first I sold this, um, and actually I'm going to buy this only because I looked at Tyrod Taylor's contract. They restructured it, and he's, he started off with a six-year extension, and they chopped it down to a two-year deal, oh. and they have an out. So I, I don't think they're totally sold on Tyrod Taylor, so I, I feel like they're going to draft a quarterback, but it'll probably be in the second round, and it could be your boy Webb, who we just spoke about. Oh, so, Davis Webb. Yes, I'm, I'm Yes, Davis Webb. I'm actually buying it, and it's not a smoke screen. I think it's real. I, the Bills, they changed over their, their coaching staff. Got a new head coach in Sean McDermott. I don't know if he's completely sold on Tyron Taylor. Got to bring in some competition. All right. Well, we already talked about Joe Mixon. You've got him going in the second round. I got him going in the first, so we'll, we'll keep it moving. Reuben Foster, his combine snafu will cost another draft day slide. True or false? Yeah, I'm going. I'm buying this only because of the totality of what he went through through the offseason. He's had a rotator cuff surgery. Mm-hmm. Then he got, as you just mentioned, he got sent home at the NFL scouting combine because of an altercation with a hospital worker, and then the diluted sample. So that's three things. That's three strikes. He's going to fall to, I believe, around 15. He, I think, he could have gone to the 49ers at the second at the second overall pick, but because of all that going on in the offseason, he's going to fall to about 15 to the Colts. All right. Buying or selling that the Carolina Panthers will take Ed McCaffrey's son. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey. Yes, I'm buying Who? this. No, uh, no. At first, I thought Leonard Fournette would be the guy. But, I, again, I think Leonard Fournette will go to the San Francisco 49ers. If he doesn't go to the 49ers, Fournette will probably go to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Coughlin likes the old-school running back type. So I don't think he reaches the Panthers. So the Panthers need a running back. I think they go Christian McCaffrey because he's very versatile. Later on in the show, I will tell you who should pick Christian McCaffrey before the Panthers. But, again, that's later on in the show. Just as long as he doesn't go to the Patriots, I will be fine. Mo, are we buying or selling Jonathan His Jonathan Allen's arthritic shoulders costing him millions? Yeah, I'm selling this. I think he actually goes if, – if Leonard Fournette goes two to the 49ers, I think Jonathan Allen goes – forward to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, Arthritic shoulders can be a problem, but I don't see it as an immediate problem. As long as the team can get a good four years out of him, I'm sure they don't care what happens after because, again, these uh, these first-round contracts, you get four years, plus you can exercise or not exercise a fifth year. So if his arthritic shoulder starts to act up in that fourth year, you just say, oh, well, we're not going to exercise the option. You just let him go. So I'm selling this. All right. I got him going seven to the Chargers. Uh, You know, personally, I I like him there. But, you know, more than likely the Jets will take him at six because what do the Jets need? Oh, they need more defensive ends and tackles, right, Mo? Shots fired. (laughs) Buying or selling Delvin Cook not worth the potential headache. Yeah, I'm buying this as a not not worth a first round pick. Initially, I had him as the second best running back behind Christian McCaffrey, and I had Leonard Fournette third. But because of the off field questions with Dalvin Cook, it, it drops him a little bit. Jason Cole, Bleach Report, my colleague, <laughs> said that uh, teams are worried about his support group and that he can't separate himself from the crowd that he used to run with back in the day. That's a problem for a lot of people, and I think that's going to scare people away from Dalvin Cook. 
it would scare me away as a GM. I would pick him up in the second round because he's he's a versatile player like Christian McCaffrey. He can run, he can catch, but he's got the off-field troubles and he has fumble issues. So that combination, not good. Got to buy it. Yeah, definitely not not a not a working combination. Uh, buying or selling Mike Williams going in the top ten. Yeah, I gotta buy this. I think he's gonna be the first wide receiver off the board. I know he wasn't involved too much in the scouting combine like Corey Davis, but he has more of a track record. And of course, we remember him in the championship game against Alabama. I think, as as you probably agree with me, the Bills and Chargers are gonna probably pick him up. Yeah. In the top ten, uh, I think again the Bills will probably go quarterback in the second round, but they need someone opposite Sammy Watkins because he's got foot problems that hasn't been healthy over the past couple of years. Keenan Allen has the same problem with the Chargers; he can't seem to stay, stay healthy. So you bring in a Mike Williams to, to at least you have an insurance policy on the opposite side of the field with a quarterback who can target target him in the red zone. Buying or selling the Browns coming back with their second pick in the first round, number twelve, and taking Patrick Mahomes. I like Patrick Mahomes, but I don't like him that much to pick him at 12 or any higher. Uh, rumors are that the Browns could trade up and get uh, Mitchell Trubisky after they draft Miles Garrett, which I see happening. They can have their cake and eat it, too. I think they can also go with Watson. I think Hugh Jackson deep down likes Deshaun Watson also. I know you call him Geno Smith 2.0, but mm-hmm. I think he's a little bit better than that. When When's the last championship that Geno Smith won on the college level at uh, West Virginia? Uh, uh, never. Uh, okay, so no, no. <laughs> not Patrick, I think Patrick Mahomes is a guy that will go to the Arizona Cardinals. He takes chances. He has some Brett Favre, and I think Bruce Arians really likes that. So I think he goes 13 to Arizona. Follow-up question real quick. How concerned are you with these this air raid spread offense where nobody calls a play out of the huddle and they're getting cue cards sent from, you know, the sideline with Lee Corso on it? I mean, it's it's not really translating to the NFL a la Jared Goff. I think what's going to start to happen, which you start to see, is that the NFL is going to start to adjust to the college quarterbacks that they're getting. It means you're going to start to see more spread offenses. This is why I think Christian McCaffrey is very important for a team in the top 10 because, again, he can run and catch. And you don't have to run an old-school offense. They're, teams are cutting down on huddles. Ever since Chip Kelly, I know Chip Kelly hasn't been that successful in the league, but his hurry-up offense has some remnants in other teams where you see other teams hurry up. Other teams do better with a no-huddle offense where they're not really calling plays. They're just out there throwing the pigskin around. So I think the NFL will adjust. We're not at that point yet. It was a full transition. But I think you're going to start to see more success the college quarterbacks who didn't run traditional NFL offenses, pro-style offenses on the collegiate level. We start running that wishbone, that triple option. Yeah, I don't know about no? that, but keep that at Georgia Tech, <laughs> that triple option garbage. But it's the worst. I, although the games go really fast, but I hate watching those games. My final question, buying or selling, O.J. Howard as the next great tight end in the NFL. Yeah, I'm going to have to buy this. I've been reading reports for the past, I don't know, three weeks, and I can't find a negative quality that any credible draft guru has to say about him. As far as I'm concerned, he's a pretty much A-plus prospect, the best tight end in this group, and probably a top-five prospect overall. I, I can't find a hole in his game. He can block. He can catch. Came back for an extra year at Alabama, so he's mature. I don't see any problems with O.J. Howard. I actually have him going to your Denver Broncos because they don't have mm. a reputable tight end over there. So I think yeah. at number 20, he's in play. Yeah, that would be a good play if, you know, they had a quarterback to throw him the ball. Isn't your boy from, I don't know, Trevor? Yeah, Trevor. school or somewhere yeah. over there yeah. or your home yeah. state now? Mr. Simeon, yeah, I mean, he's 
all right. I mean, you know, I don't know. His shoulder got destroyed, but he'll be, he'll be okay between him and Paxton Lynch. They'll figure it out. It's just it, they're going to go as far as that defense is going to carry them. You do know that the Denver Broncos are going to finish third this year in the AFC West. I don't. I mean, I would not be surprised. I mean, you know, obviously we got we got Oakland coming in second. So whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. I can stop what? right there. Did I say that? Did I? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm I predicted them at eleven and five to win a division with a tie over Kansas City. Now I got them at twelve and four winning division with Marshawn Lynch in the mix. They are winning that division now. If Derek Carr could just stay healthy and not get hurt and break his leg. They can give the Patriots some trouble. So I'll be watching that Mexico game against the Patriots and see how they do as a warm-up. But I think they're the second-best team in the AFC right now. All right, there you have it. Moe's got them going to the Super Bowl. We are going to be right back with the wrap-up. We're going to talk a couple more words in the NFL draft coming up and what those miserable, rotten New York Jets are going to do. Be right back. The wrap-up. All right, Mo, since you're the Puerto Rican Adam Schefter, um, wait, you're, you're not Puerto Rican? I'm actually, no, not close. Oh, sorry. I, I'm sorry. Um, Mo, what is it exactly since you know so much about the NFL and it's nauseating to certain extents for people like me that I just don't know how you know so much about 53 guys on one team. I mean, it's, it's, it's great. Somebody's got to do it. But listen, Mike, really, really quick. When you eat, sleep, drink your beat, and you're a professional like I am, mm-hmm. it comes second nature. I can uh, get up in the morning and name every Raider player on the roster. I won't do it on air because we don't have time. Yeah, please don't. But I'm sure I can get up out of my sleep, still kind of sleepy, still kind of unconscious, have conscience. I can still name every Raider player on the roster. But, you know, that's just the pro in me. That's what I do. All right, well, back to my question. Um, and I would only be impressed if you could name all of the Montreal Alouettes. Otherwise, I don't care. What What exactly are you looking – what is your wish? What are your hopes, your dreams? What, what would make you feel great about the 2017 NFL draft taking place in the city of Rocky Balboa? Mo, if you don't know who Rocky Balboa is, I will end this show right now. I swear to you. Uh, he like – from Philly and like was in a boxing movie and stuff and a pretty cool boxing movie and everyone watched it except me. Oh yeah, I'll give it to you. That was oh my goodness. All right, what do you want out of this draft, Mo? Besides the cheesesteak. <laughs> um, the cheesesteak would actually be pretty good. I actually went to Philly and had an authentic cheesesteak. By the way, people, if you're going to Philly for a cheesesteak, don't ask for a Philly cheesesteak because you are in mm, Philly. True story. Cheesesteak and just tell them what you want. But anyway, real quick. Good um, advice. Good advice. If, if I'm, if I'm, first of all, if ultimate wish that's not going to happen. I would like a, a football team to actually call me, not as a player, but as a as a coach. I'm pretty sure I would be a good defensive coordinator. But that's besides the fact. Wow. I want this. I want to see the Raiders have an all defensive draft from top to bottom. They have eight picks. They just signed Marshawn Lynch. They have a top five, I believe, top five offense in totality. They could have one. It didn't show in yards last year because of the injury and maybe a. a you know, kind of a sluggish mid-season low they had, but all for all intents and purposes, they have a top five offense. You don't need any more offensive players. The offensive line is probably the second best in the league behind the Cowboys. I just mentioned Marshawn Lynch and two of the running backs. They got Crabtree, they got Amari Cooper. Draft all defense. The Raiders were 22, I believe, in yards allowed, 26 in points allowed. 
Okay, or it could have been reversed. Either way, it was pretty bad. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what you need to do, Reggie McKenzie, general manager, draft all defense from beginning to end. Get multiple linebackers. Get multiple cornerbacks because Sean Smith got burnt like toast a couple of times last year. So did David Anderson on the back end. Uh, you didn't sign back your inside linebacker. Malcolm Smith went to the San Francisco 49ers. The Raiders are going to need help with their defense, and McKenzie just needs to focus, focus on the defense because that would be the difference between the Raiders possibly winning one playoff game and going all the way to the Super Bowl. Wow. All right. Yeah. Well, you got it there. I mean, for me personally, it would be the Jets to not take a quarterback at number six, to trade out of the spot, trade it to Cleveland if if Mitch Trubisky has not off the board. Mitch. Mitch, Mitch, I'm not calling a grown ass man Mitchell. If Mitch, because it's Mitch, if he's still if he's still there when the Jets are about to pick at six, they trade the pick to Cleveland. They take number twelve. Maybe they trade back again. I don't know. But let's just let's just go under the assumption that they keep number twelve and they take Christian. Don't call me. The son of former wide receiver with the Denver Broncos, Ed McCaffrey's son. I think that would be amazing. It would give the Jets a totally... What they were looking for basically last year out of Matt Forte, it would give them this year. Because we know that McCown is going to be the starting quarterback. And that to throw any ball over 12 yards is going to be an adventure. Uh, We don't know if Eric Decker is going to be at 100% to start training camp. Uh, there's just a lot of ifs, and I know you know. You maybe you'll say, "Well, you got Bilal Powell. He's very similar. He is." But you know what? The, the Jets—they don't need any more defensive ends, like what we just said, or defensive tackles. Yeah, they could use some help in the secondary, the linebacking core. There's basically questions at almost every position, but there's very few game changers. So if you're gonna trade out of six because we keep drafting a quarterback every year, what's the point? It, it drafting one again this year, you're not going to give him the team next year, and he's not going to be ready by 2018 or 19 either. You might as well wait and see what you got out of Hackenberg before you throw him away like garbage. Uh, you know, see what the competition brings in training camp and take a guy that is at least going to put points on the board, whether it's punt returns, kick returns, whatever it is. Todd Bowles has got one chance. He's got to win more than two games. Otherwise, he's going to get canned. Four four might keep his job. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it keeps his job. But you're not going to win four games by taking Mitch Trubisky. It's just not going to happen. A lot of people, and I totally agree with you on that one, Mike. It's fitting that we end the show in in total agreement. I Mm -hmm. think they pick up, they should pick up Christian McCaffrey. Even if they stick at number six, they should pick him up. Only because you're going to have a, a... to me, a transcendent talent at the running back position who will be able to help your quarterback. He can catch out of the flat, run the ball. He can play in the slot. And I know people say, well, what about Matt Forte? Matt Forte is like 80, okay? And then he had under 1,000 yards for the second consecutive season. He had under 1,000 with, with the Chicago Bears. He only averaged 3.7 yards per carry. Uh, he's getting up there in age. You need to replace him or just complement him with somebody else. And I think Christian McCaffrey is that guy who can lead your offense into the future. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I have a guilty pleasure. I I kind of would hope the Jets would have trade back into the first round and get Patrick Mahomes only because, oh. I don't know, I, I like the Brett Favre in him. And isn't that the last time the Jets had a real quarterback, Brett Favre? And it's pretty sad because he's at, at his later stages. But, I mean, come on. I, I mean, if you're going to get a quarterback that can maybe stretch the field and throw deep, do you want Patrick Mahomes? I know people saying give Christian Christian Hackenberg a chance, and I'm saying I saw some tape on Christian Hackenberg at Penn State. 
and I didn't really like it. So um, if the Jets are going to, first of all, get Christian McCaffrey, but if you're going to trade back into the first round, have two first-round picks, I know the ideal thing is to trade back because your roster needs players on the offensive end So many players, yeah. But if you're going to trade back up for a quarterback, it better be Patrick Mahomes. Don't let it be uh, Davis Webb. Don't let it be Deshaun Kaiser, no. who's been compared to Dante Culpepper, no. which I don't think is an accurate comparison. No. no, not at all. Let it be Patrick Mahomes, but again, I agree with you, Christian McCaffrey would be the ideal pick. Rich Semini of ESPN.com says they're going to go with Jamal Adams, and I like Jamal Adams, but I don't know if a strong safety is going to be a game changer. You need, a, you need, a, you need an asset that's going to help you win games right away, especially if you're top bowls. Going into, I believe, the third year in your contract, you need to win some games, like more than five. Yeah. So you go to Christian McCaffrey and hopes that he elevates your offense. I don't know what it is, but every time you say Patrick Mahomes, I automatically think Josh Freeman, and I already think he's going to be a bust. Oh, man, that's rough. <laughs> I, I saw him on so many shows. I saw him on Colin Cowher's show. I saw him on the Gruden camp. I just like his mentality. He has this leadership-type mentality. He has a nice arm. If he could just tuck away the boneheaded plays where he takes too many chances and he knows he has those in him, he could be a pretty decent quarterback with some seasoning. I don't think he's good to start right away, but I think a year on the bench, a year on the sideline would be good for him, and he can come out, maybe clean up some mistakes, but also make some plays. So I really like Patrick Mahomes. I'm starting to like him more than Mitchell Trubisky. Yes, I called him Mitchell, a grown-ass man called him Mitchell. Mitchell Trubisky has one year starting at North Carolina. 13 games. his last bowl game was pretty bad. So I, yeah. I don't, I'm just not on the Trubisky hype train. I don't know where it comes from. People watch his film and think he's the greatest. He's the next greatest. Not greatest thing, but he's going to be a decent starter in the league. I just don't see it. Yeah. No, neither do I. That's why I do not want the Jets touching any quarterback. I don't want them touching Deshaun Watson because he's going to be out of the league in three years or or Deshaun Kaiser or Deshaun Foster, who hasn't played in the NFL in like 14 <laughs> seasons. I don't want anybody named Deshaun. Nothing you personal. You Deshaun. You must yeah. have had a bad experience. No, it's a lovely name, but I just don't want any of them wearing gang green. But, what is your beef with Watson? I, I actually, I'm not saying I'm high on Watson. Like he's going to be like the next great thing, but I think he'll be decent in a warm weather city. Oh. That's why I think the 49ers would be good for him because he, again, he doesn't have the strongest arm, so you don't want him in the oh. Meadowlands with the Jets because the wind is just going to carry his passes. If you watch his pro day, his deep balls weren't that accurate, so you don't want him in windy conditions like Cleveland or New York or something like that. You want him in a warm weather or a dome uh, stadium. In my opinion, none of these quarterbacks are worthy of a first-round pick. And I know that it's during the season, the college football season, they were all second-round picks. Trubisky wasn't even on the board. Mahomes, nobody knew him. I mean, to be honest, none of these guys are, are as good as the defensive guys or a couple of the running backs. But because the NFL is such a quarterback-starved league, they're going to go. And they're, they're probably going to go too high, including my favorite player, Davis Webb. I mean, it's just it's going to happen. And this is why teams continue to struggle. Because, you know, it's either, well, take a guy like Kaiser or sign a guy like Josh McCown. They're both bad moves. But the, but everybody wants a quarterback. And everybody thinks, like Cleveland, like the Jets, well, this guy will, will be the answer no, it's not. It's just, it's not. Get somebody that is going to incrementally help you instead of, you know, sitting a guy on the bench and hoping, well, you know, we'll put him in and see how that goes. Well, you know what? The first pick last year, Jared Goff, 
not looking so hot. Uh, Carson Wentz, we'll see. You know, would they win five games last year? Maybe. You know, if he's got to win six this year to be to be a little bit better. So there's just there's too much. There's too many jobs on the line when you draft a quarterback that high. And uh, for your boy there in Cleveland, he needs to get this draft right too because if if he doesn't. Uh, he may never get another job once he gets canned from the Cleveland Browns this this time next year as well. Yeah, I like Hugh Jackson. I think he's a really smart quarterback. He's really good with developing quarterbacks. I, again, when any Dalton first started to get his swing on the upward, yeah, it was Hugh Jackson before, I believe, Jay Gruden had him. Yeah, I think he was performing pretty well. So I, Hugh Jackson and that Cleveland Browns organization, that organization just has to get it right. I saw a, a meme or just a graphic and it showed the Cleveland Browns' last, I don't know, 10 first-round draft picks. And I think the bottom six or seven are no longer in the league. Mm-hmm. So this team has had a history of just bombing first-round picks. And this is why I say, this is why I said from the beginning, just draft Miles Garrett because he seems like the safe pick. You cannot screw that up. Now, if you get Mitchell Trubisky and he's and he's a bust, yeah. you, all, all your front office just deserves to be fired. Yeah. But with, with Miles Garrett, I think... You can't miss with that. I watched this tape, saw him at the combine. Just, just watch, just looking at him. I think he's gonna fit in that mold, the Von Miller mold. But he's came from the same school, by the way. I think he's gonna be a guy that's gonna have ten plus sacks a year. So again, you upgrade your pass rush. You have Emmanuel Aqua already there, built from the defense, and then you find your quarterback maybe in late in the first round. Actually, no, they have a second uh, pick. You can pick a quarterback at that position. Maybe it's Trubisky. Maybe it's Watson. Maybe it's Mahomes. Maybe it's Webb. But you don't have to go quarterback first. You don't have to reach for it because it's gonna you're gonna have, you know, a top, another top fifteen pick to pick that. So don't don't Browns please don't screw it up, Hugh Jackson. I like you as a, as a guy, as a, a coach, as an offensive mind. Do not do not do not send in the car with a quarterback as a number one overall pick because if you do. If you do, you are sealing your fate, my man. Yeah, You're done. You and Todd Bowles gonna be kicking rocks on the unemployment line this time next year, <laughs> straight up. There's a lot of lot of flames coming around. Mike, you should be happy. Draft time's supposed to be a happy time. You're out wow. here sending flames and throwing darts. Yeah, I, it ain't a happy time when you're a New York football fan. It's a terrible time. Hey, I mean, you don't like the Giants' bright receiving trio? Brandon Marshall, Sterling Shepard? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. Odell Beckham? I do. I mean, they're both there. I do, but, you know, Eli's selling that bootleg material right now, so I'm a little worried <laughs> that he might end up in the clink. <laughs> Eli, Eli completely. That's the first time I saw Eli react to that. That's the first time I saw any emotion out of him. Yeah, I think that's exactly. One of the rare times he was actually pissed. Yeah, because you, you know he's guilty. He's like, he's like, yo, come out to my Escalade after the game. I got some game worn <laughs> jock straps. Straight Man. up, buy one get one. I mean, first, first time breeze. Jersey goes missing. Then Eli Manning selling bootleg game worn stuff. You know what? Oh, it's hard. It's hard out here for a pimp. You got to make that dough. You know. That's why five nine people need to make two hundred million dollars. Exactly, and it's gonna happen. It's 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 gonna happen. They're actually up. It looks like they're gonna win uh, tonight against the Bulls. And if you if you haven't seen John Wall's press conference after the game that they won, he's wearing a camouflage cape. So, like I was saying, <laughs> Mo and I will not only keep your draft picks away from stupid things, we will tell you how to dress <laughs> after a playoff win because no man over the age of four should wear a camouflage <laughs> cape. Damn. Wow, he he went he went there. Yeah. He, he wore a cape. Yeah, I, I, 
Now, after the show's over, I have to tune in and watch this because I've never seen a grown man nope. wear a cape and it not be Halloween. Nope. Like on a regular average day, a cape. A cape. Because, oh, and it's probably like it's probably like a Givon Chase shirt. It's probably like a $4,000 shirt. But uh, unless you're yeah. on a catwalk somewhere in Paris or Milan, don't wear a cape if you're a grown ass man. I mean, I can see you, Mike. I can see you wearing, uh, like, yes. I don't know, not a, not a Yankees cape, you know? <laughs> Maybe, you, only, you know, Mr. Yankee. The only way know. I'm wearing a cape is if I'm Batman and I'm patrolling Gotham City. That's the only way I'm wearing a cape, all right? Let's 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 be honest. But you know what? As far as episode 44 is concerned, it's in the books. And just so everybody knows, if you had gone to, uh, you know, that place called the App Store and looked for us on Apple, we were not up for some reason, but we're back. We're good to go. So you can go on iTunes, you can you can hit Mike and Mo Show, and you can get all 44 episodes live. Download them, share them. Let us know. Comment. We want comments. We want to know what you guys are liking, what you what you're not liking, which is probably you know nothing because everything's good. Uh, and of course, you can still get us on Stitcher, download us, put us on your Android or iOS, or you know your flip phone like Mo still uses. Uh, besides from that, Mo, any 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 parting shots? Anything to say before uh, tomorrow night's big draft? Uh, sh- shameless self plug. I'm gonna be on the front page of Bleacher Report covering Ooh. the draft from day one to day three. So I got you on all three days. Nice. The, Af- the Afro American Adam Schefter has got you. Okay, from Thursday to Saturday, all draft news, not just the Raiders, not just the Jets, not just the Giants, but everything from start to finish. I'm gonna be covering on uh, draft surprises, falls, uh, bad grades, good grades. I'll have it all for you on there, and of course. Of course, as Mike said, Facebook, all over the place. Just anyway, just Google Mike and Mo Show. Something's bound to pop up, and you're bound to find 44 of our great episodes. Yeah. And we'll be back next week with another pretty good episode. Not a pretty good, an excellent episode breaking down what happened at the draft. We're gonna move on with the playoffs. I'm gonna tell people why why you shouldn't hit on LeBron James because I know it's coming. And all that good stuff. Absolutely. And you don't have to worry about us getting laid off anytime soon because we're, we're not hired. We run, so. we run our own show, that's why. No one can fire us. Exactly. Well, I, I no mean, one. technically, you could fire me and I could fire you, but then it would just be terrible. So. Yeah, pretty much. But that is it, episode 44. Much love. Appreciate you guys coming out once again. We will catch you next week. Stay kind, rewind, and uh, enjoy the draft.